Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here this morning, whether you're in person or online. I'm really glad you joined us. Uh, and thank you, worship team, for leading us in those songs. This was uh, great to listen to. I was at another church last week, and it made me miss listening to and participating in worship here. So it was great to be back this morning uh, for this. We're in the series called Signs this morning. And what I want to do, this might seem a little out of the ordinary, maybe it's you know, the fact that we all lost an hour of sleep and we're not doing so well this morning. But what I want to do is I want to play everybody's favorite game show, which is this. Name that sign. Now, there are no prizes for this game show. I'm just going to keep playing because it's got a fun little jingle. Where were we without jingles in the morning, right? I'm going to show you a variety of street signs, and I want you to tell me what they are. Some some might be easier than others. Some, well, maybe they're not as easy. So first, we're going to start it off. And again, there are no prizes. Your real prize is you get to be here with me this morning and with each other. I mean, how good of a prize is that? But here, let's, let's see that first sign. What is this sign? Fantastic. I hope you use that sign well. It's not slow down. It's not pause. It's stop, right? Now, what's this sign? Yield. What do you do in a Yield. You look both ways, that's it? You just keep going straight and you look both ways? You don't... Right. I assume that you know. Now, this one, a little bit more complicated. This is from Japan. I know some of you have been to Japan, so do not answer this question because you have an unfair advantage. What is this sign? It does look like a yield side. What's this sign? Stop. Because they did away with the yield sign. There's no more yield sign, apparently, since 2017. And they combined the stop sign and the yield sign. Now, you've been to Japan just recently, so you can correct me on this, but the internet told me so. And we all know the internet does not lie, right? What's the next sign? Anyone from New Brunswick? Come on, our New Brunswickers. I know some are watching online. Yes, it is a fiddlehead, but what is it signifying? Anyone drive to New Brunswick before? Don't pick the plants. That would be a good one. Swirly road. That's even. It's the scenic route. Correct. Thank you, Mike. It seems like you've been there before. Once or twice. The River Valley Scenic Route. It goes along the east coast of New Brunswick. It's scenic because of the ocean, not because of the land on the other side, just so you know. Not to insult our New Brunswickers watching. Now, what's the next line? This one's from England, or the U.K., I did not know this one. Again, if the internet lied to me, I apologize, because you might know better than me. No. No. This means no vehicles except for a bicycle that you're pushing. Isn't that helpful to know? If you're ever in the UK, this might be useful for you. And one, I think this is the last sign. Maybe not the last sign. What do we have here? This is another that you might see in New Brunswick. Anyone? No, but that would be nice, wouldn't it, if they told us? It's local artisans. If you follow this sign, you will find a local artisan doing something. Local and artisan-like. And do I have another sign? I think I might have another sign. Oh, yeah, my favorite. This one's from Newfoundland. I also found one from Alaska with like a bison instead of a moose. 
Basically, don't hit them. That's pretty simple, right? Signs are really important, right? So some of these signs we know, we're familiar with these signs. We know what to do when we come across these signs. Some might surprise us, like the moose one, and we'll be like, oh, I know what that is. No problem. I just won't hit a moose. But signs have a purpose. They either point us in directions to go, tell us where we're going, lead us to safety, or they steer us away from danger. But if we don't know what the signs mean, we don't know if it's leading us in the healthy, good path, or maybe not so healthy, not so good path. And when it comes to knowing God, there are signs that get placed around us all the time that are leading us to God or away from God. And we have to interpret and discern which those are. As we're in this series called Signs, we're looking at the seven signs that John points to in his gospel that point ultimately to faith and life in Jesus. Last week, Gord shared with you the first sign, which is the turning water into wine, and we'll revisit that a little bit this week. And today we're going to look at the second sign, which is a little different, and it points in a different way to the same thing, but different. And again, if we don't know what the signs mean, we can miss what they're pointing to. So before we get into John chapter 4, let's take a moment to pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that we uh, get to proclaim our love for you, or, or maybe even our desire to love you when we don't feel so loving through song. We get to proclaim uh, the truth that you are who you say you are. You are present in our lives. Even in the midst of struggle and strife, you are there. And that even when those songs, maybe we feel like we're singing the words, but we don't mean it, you invite us to come to know them to be true. And I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that as we sang those songs, as we reflect on Scripture now, our hearts and our minds are open to what you have for us. God, you are pointing us somewhere. Help us to discern the signs. Help us to know what these signs mean and why it matters. Help us to know and love you more and love others because of that love. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, Gord was sharing with you, and he gave this great uh, picture of what God was doing through this wedding feast. And this week, we're going to skip a few chapters ahead in the Gospel of John. Maybe you've read John before, so hopefully you're familiar. And we're going to encounter the second miracle that happens in the same location as the first miracle. But there's been a gap in time, a few days, where Jesus has been traveling and he's been teaching, and then there's been different encounters that have shaped how we understand this miracle. So John chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 43. And it says this, After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Just a little sidebar note. So like in your Bibles, you'll notice that there's some parentheses there. Those didn't exist in the original text. And so this is an interpreter's understanding of saying, hey, we're going to want you to understand that this is a context piece. We want you to understand why this is a big deal. So in John chapter 4, he's saying, he's left Galilee, what has happened in Galilee, he's left for Galilee, sorry, Uh, and what's happened in the time before is important to note because where he's going, he's saying a prophet is without honor. So when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, 
They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for he, they had also been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. So that's the story from last week. Again, some of us are very familiar with these stories, so it's like second nature when you hear them. For some of us, it's a little newer. The uniqueness of that was it's the first miracle. Jesus is approached by his mother. There's a situation, and he tells his mother, leave me alone. I'm at a party. You're embarrassing me in front of my friends. No, that's not exactly what he says, but he says, you know, it's not my time. And yet, then he performs a miracle where he takes these cleansing basins that, that Gord explained to us last week, these cleansing, ceremonial cleansing basins, and he fills them with water, and he transforms it into wine, and people are amazed by what happens. And as the story goes, we get into the end of that story in John 2, 11. It says, when Jesus, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. His disciples believed in him. So his closest followers who were at this party with him believed in him. Why did they believe in him? Because they saw what he could do. He made the party better. They saw that he took plain old water, transformed it into wine, and they'd never seen anything like that. So they believed. The first sign they saw and they believed that there was something about this Jesus. Now we're going to experience a contrast in the signs. The first sign we see that the disciples, those who are closest to him and who are going to follow him for the next three years, the remainder of John until his death, and then extend and start the church in the book of Acts, the first sign is for them. They're the only ones who know besides the person who poured the water. It wasn't for everybody in the crowd. And it says they believed, and then they follow him. So now the second sign is a bit of a contrast in it. So it says, And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Now we don't know anything about this royal official. We just know the title, royal official. And so there's been probably you've heard sermons, you've heard other people talk, you've read commentaries, you've read little articles on it, and you've kind of deduced like what this means. And we can't really know for sure who this person was, but there's some things that we could assume the possibility of. Now, we don't know if they were Jewish in birth, by birth, by nature, or if they were Gentile. But if they were Jewish, they would not be looked upon fondly by other Jews. Because by becoming a royal official, whether, whatever the role is, it's like they align themselves to a system that the Jewish people would see as oppressive and evil. And so whether this person was a Gentile or a Jew, likely they're not somebody who would be well-liked by other Jewish believers. They would be feared, they would be respected in that sense because they're a Roman official. Now they have some form of power. But they weren't going to be somebody to be like, hey, let's hang out later. So we don't know much about them, but we can make a little bit of an assumption on this. And so the text continues. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Let's imagine ourselves into a moment. Have you ever had something really bad happen in your life? I'm going to guess and just say yes. 
Chances are, if you had something really bad happen in your life, maybe it is the fear of losing someone you love, maybe it is, uh, you know, the actual losing of someone you love, maybe it's your own illness, maybe it's a marriage breakup, variety of things, or, or kids. When you have something horrible happen in your life and you go tell someone, what are you hoping to get? You know, some may be sympathy, oh, I'm so sorry for you. No, not really. We want empathy. We want people to go, this is bad, I'm with you in it. Jesus, Son of God, this Roman official comes to him, and his statement is, unless you want... Unless you see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. Probably not, probably not the statement that this Roman official was looking to hear. He was probably hoping for, uh, yeah, let's go, let's fix this problem or some comfort in the moment. But in that moment, Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, which is much better than mine, sees it not just as an opportunity to do something great but an opportunity to learn and go deeper. And so he says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. When this man heard, sorry, the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. Now, again, Thinking of this, it's very short interaction. We don't probably have everything that was said. We have a very short synopsis. That's the nature of Scripture. You don't have everything that might have happened. But the key points that John is inspired to bring up for us is to say, you people are always looking for signs. And he says, please, just come heal him. He says, go. It's taken care of. And the term go there, like it's typically a little bit harsher. It's kind of like almost a demand that Jesus makes. He says, go. It's imperative that you go. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the father realized that was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Jesus' interaction with him is is one that we could look at and we say, this seems harsh, this doesn't maybe seem very caring, but it's one of healing and renewal and life. We could look at it as a sign and go, wow, this doesn't seem like Jesus is emotionally aware of the situation. Maybe he could show some empathy, but he has something bigger in mind, something better in mind. He heals his son. And this Roman official does something that might be hard for us to do. He trusted Jesus. He had heard of all the stories of everything that he had done. He had not seen them or witnessed them necessarily himself. And as he encountered Jesus, he knew, he knew that Jesus could make a difference in the situation. So he pleads with him, please come heal my son. Jesus says, you're always looking for signs and wonders. He says, please just come heal my son. And Jesus says, go, it's taken care of. And he 
trusted him. He trusted his word. He believed that Jesus said and did what he said he was going to do. Contrast that a little bit with the disciples. Disciples believed because they saw. This man believed because he knew Jesus could do it. There's a difference between those of us who see and need to see to experience, but those of us who can trust. And it's a gift that not all of us have. It's not always easy to trust, especially in the midst of difficult situations like this Roman official's going through. Caring for his son, worrying about his son's life, it would be easy for him to say, no, 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 just come with me and plead and plead his case. But instead, the text tells us he trusted it and he went back. And the fact that it says that when he encountered someone on the way, he traveled a few days to get there, right? It wasn't like a quick trip to the mall or to the store. It was a long journey he went on, multiple days likely, to encounter Jesus and ask for his help. And Jesus did it. But he had to trust that he did it. Jesus is setting up this scenario for us to look at these signs and ask ourselves a question. What will it take for you to believe? Do you need to see it happen and go, like the disciples, I believe? Or can you trust Jesus? Can you take Jesus at his word? So the words that Jesus speaks to us through Scripture, but also as we pray and as we reflect and God still speaks to us, can we believe those to be his words. We're faced with this reality where we could either look for a sign or wonders or take him at his word. And it's not easy to trust, is it? Maybe you've had experiences in your own life where you tried to trust people and people always let us down. So we think, well, it's going to be the same thing with God. And sometimes maybe we've gone to God and we've said, God, I need this, or God, this is my scenario, like I'm pleading with you like this Roman official, and you didn't get the response you were looking for. Maybe he said, go, and you didn't understand what it meant, and your trust wasn't there. Sometimes our ideas of God's timing interfere with our timing, and so we look to God and we plead to God and say, fix this problem. And he's saying, trust me, it just might not look the way you're looking it to be fixed. And we have to wrestle with that. This Roman official encounters Jesus, someone who is either, and again, we don't know, it's all speculation, either an ostracized Jewish person would not be able to go and worship because of his employment, or a Gentile who would not be someone who would necessarily believe in the God of Yahweh, in Jesus And he encounters him, and he heals. Why? To show us a sign. To show a sign that he doesn't need to be there to heal. He physically does not need to be there. He is beyond the bounds of physicality. He is God. So he can be present with us in a moment, and he can be away from us, but he's still there. So that even though we may not see Jesus physically, we are in his presence when we believe through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and that the Spirit is with us, God is with us. The second sign is that God is with you no matter what. Do you trust it? Maybe for you, it's wrestling with that. Do I believe this? Do I believe that God wants the good for my life? Or is it the good that I think would be good? Or is it his good? And is it his timing or is it my timing? Or is he even there or does he even care? The story of the Roman official is telling us, yes, Jesus does care. It just might not look the way you're expecting. So you've got to pay attention to the signs. And he's saying to you, he's with you, no matter what you're going through. As we sang in that song, even now, he keeps his promises. Even now, his kindness rules. Are you looking for the signs? Do you know he's with you? And maybe you do know that. Maybe you've known that a long time. The other side of this reality is that your life, your life is a sign. Your life is a sign for someone who's looking to see where God is. For someone who's looking to know that God still cares. And your life as a sign is either pointing people in the right direction or away from God. Your life is a sign to other people that God is with us always. Do you know it to be true? Do you know he's with you? And do you know that you have the privilege of pointing other people to him? Now, is your sign saying stop or yield? Or is it saying go in this direction? May you know that this second sign is true. That in the midst of whatever you're going through, Jesus is with you. And Jesus can be trusted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are uh, the God who is with us. That even when we can cry out from our heart of the frustration and the sorrow and the longing for something that isn't, that you can be trusted. I don't know where each of us are, on our journey with you this morning, God. Some of us, maybe we've been here for a long time and we're still wrestling with, with questions of can we trust you in doubt and uncertainty. Some of us, maybe this is a newer exploration for us and we still don't know. Wherever we find ourselves, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you, as you always do, meet us where we are. And as you meet us, we open our hearts and our minds to what you might have. Help us to see the signs. Help us to know where those signs are pointing. And help us to point other through the sign of our life to you. To know you are good. That you are kind. That you are with us. And that we need you. Help us to know what is true and what is good and is only from you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.